Exodus 24, verses 9 through 18. But before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we thank you for your word which you've given to us. God, we do pray that you would give us hearts that are like good soil, ready to receive your word and not be choked out by the worries of this world, not to uh, only have uh, shallow roots, and so never produce what you've intended us to produce. God, help us have good soil. Help us to receive your word and to um, to let it have the change in us that it's intended to have. God, that we would grow as your people and be those who bear much fruit. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this is Exodus 24, verses 9 through 18. We've been reading through uh, the book of Exodus for our Old Testament readings. And um, some of these passages are probably more familiar than others, especially if you have been uh, in church for a lot of years. Uh, And this is one that even if you've been in church for a lot of years, unless you've read the Bible your own, you may not have heard this one at all. Um, But this is when they are at Mount Sinai, the people who have come out of slavery in Egypt, and Moses has led them, and they've come to Mount Sinai, and they've come... Uh, to this mountain where God has uh, is giving them a uh, an identity as his people. And there's a lot that goes into that. Anyway, we're going to read one of these uh, sections right now. This is Exodus starting chapter 24, starting verse 9. It says, Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God, and they ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instructions. For their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and Hur are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain, 40 days and 40 nights. Turning then to Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. We have another going up on a mountain. Luke 6, uh, 12 through 16. As one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and, he, and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, 
and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am looking around the room this morning, and I notice that there is not a single person in here wearing, uh, wearing a hat on their head. We, got, we, we have some ears. We got some ears. There's no hat. Does anybody think that's strange? No one th- thinks that's strange, right? You probably think it's strange that I'm pointing it out. And you're right. That part's strange. <laughs> but the fact that uh, everybody came in here without wearing hats, that's not strange. However, um, what is also going to be strange is that then the passage we're going to be looking at this morning in 1 Corinthians is all about people wearing coverings on their heads in worship and uh, like who needs to be doing that and how that's, uh, that, that's just apparently the way that it is. Um, in fact, at the, uh, the end of this passage, it even says, if anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. So this seems pretty clear. This is something that everybody ought to be doing, and we're clearly not doing it. What is the problem? Well, <laughs> there's actually something else going on here. And in fact, uh, it's, it's going to seem strange that we're even looking at a passage like this because we're like, why, why, what does this even have to do with us? Um, and before we get into it, though, show the next slide. Never mind, I put it in the wrong spot. We're going to read it first, then I'm going to show you the slide. So go, go ahead and go to that. We'll go ahead and read this first. Uh, it says, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I passed them on to you. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman for man. Neither was man created for woman, but, w- but woman for man. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? But, if, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For long hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. There you go. It seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Look at this next picture. Uh, Does anybody see a picture of a girl and a squirrel? Yes, a girl and a squirrel. Or maybe it's a horse and a dog, right? Actually, go ahead and hit the button. Yeah, you flip it over. There you go. Until it flipped, though, it was kind of hard to see the horse and the dog, wasn't it? This is one of those passages. You can go ahead and take that away now. 
this is one of those passages that I think it's really easy to, you read it and you go, it's a girl and squirrel. People keep saying it's a horse and dog. I don't see it. (laughs) And it's because we're seeing it from a certain perspective and from a certain angle that the people in Corinth would not have been seeing it from. They would have been seeing it from a different angle. So it's, uh, it kind of takes us a little bit to sort of culturally put us in their shoes, stand in their perspective, see it from the way they would have seen it, to then go, oh, now I see the horse and the dog. I, I, I see it now. And then we can come back and say, okay, how do we apply that? And um, so anyway, if you're able to, uh, to see that this morning, good. If not, um, I, I understand. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of a tricky thing to try to see what you can't see. Anyway, but we'll try to walk through this uh, in the time we have. This is going back to uh, what's going on in this whole letter. We have seen Paul talking to a church, uh, writing to a church in this letter, uh, where they are wanting to follow Jesus, but they're in a culture that's not following Jesus. And they're being pressured to not follow Jesus. <laughs> But in a lot of those pressures, they don't even realize that's what they're being pressured. It's just the pressures of culture that you conform to the culture. And, um, and so, like, the, like when you're walking across a, uh, a, like a river, it's not too high, but you, know, you get like waist deep and you try to just walk straight across, but the current is pulling you such that even if you try to walk straight across, you kind of end up doing one of these and go diagonal. That's kind of what was going on with the church in Corinth. And what Paul is doing is writing back to him and saying, whoa, 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 you guys, you're getting off track. Here's how to get back on track in, um, and go in the direction you actually intend to be going instead of getting pushed by the culture. Now, we've gone through a lot of the things that he has written to them. We've uh, seen the ways that they have... Uh, was he talked about lots of different issues specifically. And uh, the one that we've looked at most recently was the, whether they can eat food sacrificed to idols. And, uh, and now we're moving on. We're moving to a different section, but with some of the same main ideas. And that's what we need to not lose track of because it's not like he's now forgotten everything he's said before. And now he's like, Oh, by the way, I really want some of you to wear hats. And we're like, wait, what just happened? Like, weren't you, I mean, you were kind of on a roll talking about all this Jesus stuff, and now it's just all about whether we wear hats. This is uh, a specific application of something he's been talking about already. And here's what, uh, where he kind of left off in chapter 10, and he was talking about the eating food and not eating food and saying, okay, here's the deal. This is chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Talked about this some last week. The whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so now the question comes in of, okay, so when we gather together for worship, how does that look when we're applying that? And so last week we talked about, you know, if, um, if you're nailing the... 95 theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany, like Martin Luther did on October 31st, 1517. You do it for the glory of God. If you are uh, participating in trunk or treat, like we will do October 31st of this year, you do that for the glory of God. And so everything. But then the question is, what if we, when we gather for worship? And it would be, be easy for us to assume, 
Well, obviously, if we're gathering together for worship, we're, we're of course going to be glorifying God because that's what the whole thing is about, right? And we would be right to assume that that is what the whole thing is about. It would be wrong to assume that that's what we're automatically doing just because we have gathered for worship. In fact, the passage we read earlier about Nadab and Abihu, uh, they actually got to see God. Who gets to do that? Nobody, right? But they got to. And then later, they take their familiarity a little too familiarly. And they go into the presence of, the, of God in the tabernacle in a way they were not supposed to. And they're struck down dead. This is uh, something that is to be taken seriously. And it also means that just like they could go for worship, presumably, with, uh, in ways that are not glorifying God, so can we. Um, we often talk about the story Jesus tells of two people who went to the temple to pray. And you think, well, if you're going to the temple and you're praying, obviously that's going to be glorifying to God. Except he tells the story of these two people as a way of making a distinction between the one who is and one who isn't. And the one, uh, you know, one of them goes to the temple and is uh, only able, can't even look up to heaven, just praise, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, this is the one who's justified. Whereas the other one goes to the temple goes to the temple and prays. But his heart is revealed as he prays a prayer of looking down on others and saying, God, I thank you that you didn't make me like that guy over there. He does the bad things. I do the good things. Thank you for making me awesome. I'm paraphrasing, but there you go. And Jesus says he's not justified before God. Yes, he went to the temple. Yes, he prayed. But his heart wasn't right. And so there are multiple examples throughout Scripture of just going uh, through those kinds of motions doesn't mean we're actually glorifying God. And this is actually what's at the heart of this whole, do we wear hats or not? What's the deal there? And here's what's happening. In, uh, in Corinthian culture, women kept their hair covered. Outside the home, you keep your hair covered. Um, there were a few example or a few exceptions to this. Uh, so you, know, like you didn't keep it covered all the time, but if you were, you know, in your home uh, with your husband, you could have your hair uncovered. That's fine. Or if you were out and about in town as a prostitute, you could keep your hair uncovered then too. Um, however, otherwise it stays covered, and that was culturally. Like, that's just how it's supposed to go there. In the church, however, what was going on? What was going on is you had people who were being freed from their cultural restraint. Like, we're supposed to not be doing what the culture's doing, right? And so if the culture says you wear the hat, then we go, well, then we don't have to wear the hat anymore. We're free in Christ. We can do whatever. Is it true that we're free in Christ? Yes. Does that mean we can do whatever we want? No. <laughs> That's been a big part of his whole message throughout this whole letter of uh, 1 Corinthians. Is 
saying, you know, yes, you know, you, I have the right to do anything, you say. <laughs> but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek their own good but the good of others. And so if, if we do what we tend to do, which is look at myself and my rights, you could easily see a woman saying, well, I'm free in Christ now. I don't have to wear anything to cover my hair. I can get up in front of everybody and pray, and I can prophesy. I'm free in Christ. I can do that. And you might expect that then Paul would say, no, you can't get up there and be praying and prophesying in front of everybody. Stop it. And instead he says, yeah, you absolutely can do that. Just make sure you have your head covered when you do it. And we're like, wait, why, why is that the important part? And, it's, and it goes back, he, he takes this whole argument. I'm not going to take you through the whole argument here, but it's, um, he goes back to creation. And he looks at why it is and how it is that people have been created in the first place. What is the purpose of humanity? Is it to glorify ourselves? Or is it to glorify God? It is to glorify God. In the new creation, what is going to be our role there? Is it singing our praises? Or is it singing the praises of God? Singing the praises of God. And so if this is why we have been created and this is what we're heading towards, now he says, okay, so in the church, that's what we ought to be reflecting. We ought to be reflecting uh, to the rest of the church and even to the broader culture, something that, uh, and even to the angels, what's that, what's in there? Something that points to the glory of God. And we go, okay. Well, then why the hat? This is because he says, you know, male and female. This is how we were created. And so uh, there are distinctions between male and female. According to Paul, that's obvious. Today, there's some uh, people who don't see it as obvious. And, you know, you maybe use the horse and dog thing and go, okay, you maybe don't see it, but maybe one day you will. But from where I'm standing, it's obvious. But there are distinctions. There are differences. And what Paul's saying is uh, in Galatians, when he says... Uh, in chapter 3, he's talking about freedom we have in Christ. Um, and he says, uh, so in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you are children of God. Through, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And you could take something like that and go, yeah. There's no more differences in any of these areas. And Paul says, no, 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 you, you've misunderstood what I'm saying. There is no difference in status before God. Does God love somebody who is a slave just as much as he loves somebody who's free? Yes. And that was mind-blowing to people. Do they have the same status before God? Yes. Mind-blowing for people. What about Jews and Gentiles? Yes. What about males and females? Yes. But all of uh, the culture was not set up that way. And so he says, uh, but you, whatever you find yourself in, like you 
are Abraham's seed if you belong to Christ. And so in that way, uh, there is no distinction. But that does not mean that there's no distinction between male and female, (laughs) that there's no distinction that anybody would recognize between those who are slaves and those who are free. Of course they would. Of course there would be that recognized. Of course that would be recognizable. And what he says is actually that in creation, in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us uh, make, uh, create man in our image. So in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so it is male and female together that glorify God. And it is male and female together who he gives the commands to rule and reign in his image. And yet, even though we do have this common purpose, he still makes us male and female. There is a distinction on purpose, apparently. And he makes us... um, So you go to uh, Genesis chapter 2 to see how he goes about doing this, and you see the... um, He creates man from the soil, and he creates a woman from the man. This is what Paul's talking about. You think about where you come from. (laughs) You kind of come from different places. So there are distinctions even in in that, and yet, still with the same purpose. And he says, and and we don't need to get into a battle of sexes here. If we if we use this passage to start arguing, well, who's better, men or women? We have lost the plot. That is not the point. And where where Paul has is going with this whole thing is back to what he talked about at the beginning. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And he's saying if in their culture, if a woman uh, is praying and prophesying with her hair uncovered, she is provocatively dressed in the church. Today, can you tell a difference between somebody who is dressed and someone who is provocatively dressed? Yeah. What would happen if somebody is provocatively dressed and leading in worship? Where does the attention of the congregation go? Is it to God? No, it's not. That's Paul's point. If what we are to be doing, male and female, together is glorifying God, then when we gather for worship, we don't want to do anything that's going to get in the way of people glorifying God. That's the whole point. And he's like, but you're saying, oh, but we're free now. We can do whatever we want. It's like... (laughs) Think about other people. Think about how it is that <clears throat> who you are and where you are. Today, is it provocative for a woman to not have her hair covered? Not in our culture, but it is in some. So if you're a missionary here, as a woman, would you need to have your hair covered? No. Are there places in the world where if you're a missionary as a woman, you'd have to have your hair covered in worship? Of course. And of course, this doesn't just apply to covering hair, but to any manner of what is uh, distinct about male and female and to what would be considered provocative in the culture. Because the point is, it's all about glorifying God, who he is, what he's done. This is where Paul comes back to it and says, you know, Look, we can talk about where men come from, where women come from, all that kind of thing. And when you get to the heart of it, guess what? Everything comes from God. 
Everything comes from God. And so that is, uh, that is the point. And that's what we all ought to be about. If we come to worship services and we spend our time worshiping together and then we leave from here and someone says, how was worship this morning? If you talk good about me, that's not good. If you talk bad about me, that's not good because the focus shouldn't be on me. If you talk about the worship music and whether you like that style or not like that style, that's not good. That's not where the focus ought to be. If you talk about the person who is sitting several rows away from you and you can't believe that they were wearing that, that's not good. (laughs) Whether you're complimenting him or not, (laughs) it's not good. Where's our focus supposed to be? It's on who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus. This is one of the reasons why we celebrate communion um, twice a month is to keep very central what God has done for us in Jesus. This is why we have a giant cross on the wall right there. So we never forget that what our focus is supposed to be is who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus. This is why we preach from the Bible that God has given us to reveal who he is and what he has done for us in Jesus. This is the point of everything that we're doing is to think again together about who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus. And so respond by singing his praises. And so when we leave here and somebody says, how was worship? I hope where we immediately go in our thoughts is I was reminded of the goodness of God. I was reminded of his love for me in Christ. I was reminded of his love for you, the person who's asking the question, you know, whatever it is, but that's where our focus uh, ought to be. And uh, Paul's whole point in this whole thing, like I say, it's kind of a confusing way of getting there for us from uh, today, looking back on it. But his whole point is the same point he's been making. He's not changed directions. It's the same thing, is remember why we do what we do. Remember who God is. Remember what he's done for us in Christ, that it was while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us, that he is remaking us uh, as the people who are being remade in the image of Christ, that we would together glorify God now and in the new creation. This is what it's all about. This is what everything is heading towards. And so therefore, anything that we do, because we have the right to do it, that gets in the way of that, is off track. And so once again, he's helping us to get back on track, focusing uh, where we ought to be focused on who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus Christ, the love that he has for us and for the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we do pray that you would help us as your people to remember who you are as we go through uh, our day every day. Help us to remember that everything comes from you. God, we pray that you would guard us from our pride 
Keep us from uh, trying to get all the glory. Help us to remember why you have made us. Help us to remember that that because of your love for us, we already have an identity secured in you. And so we don't need to... uh, to run after chasing uh, glory and trying to make a name for ourselves. Lord, we have your name on us. Help us to represent you well. Help us to point others to you. And help us to do this in ways that are appropriate in our own cultural setting that we would not get in the way of people seeing how great you are. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.